This is Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care, where we have insightful conversations about parenting for bio, foster, adoptive, or blended families to better understand the experiences we all face as families. Welcome Utah families out there. Uh, Today's topic you'll find is relevant no matter what kind of family you are, no matter what kind of person you are, because the topic is resilience, something we're all looking for these days. I know I am. And so we expect this topic to spark some great ideas, some great feedback. So remember to give us some after you listen to this um, uh, and give us some feedback online. We appreciate everyone who is listening today. I'm Deborah Lindner, along with my colleague, Liz Rivera. We are both with Utah Foster Care. Liz is Director of Education. Welcome, Liz. Um, We've heard a lot about resilience. We've heard a lot about optimism. And so that's that's kind of the first thing we're going to tackle, isn't it? Yeah, the difference between the two. Um, and and uh, we have a guest here today who will help us understand uh, terms and, and why the language we use is important and how we're talking about things like resilience. And maybe sometimes we use terms like optimism and resilience in the same same way, but they may not actually be the same thing. Right. Um, also joining us are two veteran foster parents who've had a lot of experience dealing with um with resilience and emotions, Tammy Barroso and Sarah Anderson, both of them from Salt Lake. Hello there. Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. So I'll let Liz kick it off and talk to our first guest. So our first guest and our expert um, is Cinda Morgan. And many of you out there listening, those of you from Utah will recognize Cinda's name. She is um, uh, one of the owners of Wellspring, which I know a lot of our families, uh, families um, who do fostering and adopt, um, uh, go to that clinic and uh, are benefit from the expertise there. Um, but Cinda is also the founder of a program called Handful of Hope. And for the last several years, um, she's been working on uh, refining the program, um, researching the program, and making it something that benefits all families and certainly foster and adoptive families. So Cinda, um, introduce us to, so Deborah and I were kind of talking about between resilience and optimism and maybe some of that, those terms. Do you maybe just want to start with a little definition of terms for us and kind of uh, frame us where we want to be in this conversation? Absolutely. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you so much to the Utah Foster Care. Way back when I started, it was your organization that helped me recruit people for the research for Handful of Hope. And so I'm always appreciative of your organization. Thank you so much. So uh, it's interesting because uh, Handful of Hope, which is a nonprofit organization that I founded uh, 10 years ago, is based on the research of Barbara Fredrickson. And she came across something that's been very fascinating to me, and I think maybe the listeners may find fascinating as well. She discovered that if we boost our positive emotions, like joy, optimism is actually a positive emotion, joy, optimism, gratitude gratitude, uh, those sorts of things, we actually increase our resilience. And so um, Handful of Hope is based on that research. And 
And when you think about positive thoughts, are they the same as positive emotions? So if you just try and think those good thoughts, will that have the same effect? And what she found and other researchers found is no. There's some really interesting research um, where they took, they did some research on the cortisol levels or the stress levels of mothers who had chronically ill children. Now I know maybe your children don't have, aren't chronically ill, but if you have children in foster care, there are some chronic issues, maybe emotional issues. And so they, they tested their cortisol level and then they measured their positive thoughts. Things like, I have great meaning, I'm really making a difference. And if those positive thoughts did not leave, lead to positive emotions, their cortisol level stayed the same, their stress level stayed the same. But if they had that boost in positive emotion, gratitude, whatever it might be, their stress level went down. Wow. And so what I'm getting from what you're saying is that this initiated your developing handful of hope as a way to increase positive emotion. Um, exactly. In, in people. Wonderful. It also sounds like t- um, you're talking, Cinda, about putting it into action, that it has to be more active than passive. Is that a good way of describing it? Yes. So what B- Dr. Fredrickson found is that we normally experience um, two to one ratio two positive emotions for every negative emotion. If we want to get the the benefit of resilience, we actually have to boost our positive emotion ratio. There's not um, a set point um, that she's discovered where we have to reach a certain level of positive emotions, but we have to increase what we normally would feel. And I actually find that hopeful in many ways. One reason is we're not trying to erase negative emotions. Negative emotions are useful. They're helpful for us in many ways. If you're sad about the loss of a dog, or if you're angry at some injustice, that's great. What we want to do is we want to boost those positive emotions. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. And let's switch to the foster parents in our conversation, Tammy and uh, Sarah. Um, How does this, how does Cinda's program uh, reflect on some of your experiences you've had with um, with kids coming into your home in foster care and also your biological children. Uh, Tammy, let's start with you first. Um, well, we, I was talking to my husband this morning knowing I was going to do this and I said, for some reason, I think we're still stuck on gratitude because <laughs> in the handful of hope, there's five things that help build resilience. But the one we keep coming back to is gratitude and and um, for our foster children in particular, um, it can be difficult to think of things to be grateful for when your family has just been taken away from you. And um, I remember when our last sibling group of three came to live with us, I would tuck them in at night and they used that time just to complain to me everything that was going wrong in their life. and. I thought, oh, this isn't going to be super helpful for me or for them right before you go to bed to think about all these hard things. And so we made the goal to write down three things we're grateful for. So they kept a little gratitude journal and, and would tell me three things that happened that day that they were grateful for. And then I told them anything that they want to tell me 
in the morning that was hard and difficult and stressful for them. Let's do that in the morning, but reserve that bedtime routine for that positive, grateful gratitude um, moment. And for that made a big difference, not only for them, but for the whole family and the dynamics. And, um, and it was such a simple thing, um, but it was kind of a turning point where we thought, okay, this is going to be possible to kind of um, get over that hard part and that hard adjustment of having new children come and, and um, integrate with. Um, and it also had to influence their sleep patterns. I mean, we all have trouble falling asleep at one time or another, and we're thinking through things in our minds. So it sounds like that bedtime might be the best time to do your gratitude journal. Sarah, how about you? Um, well, I do have to say, Tammy, you said you guys keep going back to the gratitude. I think it's because of those positive emotions that gratitude brings. It's the thing that feels good. And so it's the thing that, you know, you want to go back to because um, it does bring such positive uh, reassurance. I know uh, with my kids, I when we have put these things in place, I can see the difference that it makes it our family and our attitude um, in like how our house even runs uh, when we are implementing these things. And I do know um, one, one of the challenges that we have had with one of our children is um, positive um, comments to her was a trigger. And so trying to figure out how to um, help her to uh, be more resilient in her, um, her challenges, her daily life, all the things that she does, we had to figure out and are still working on it, um, how to be able to uplift her without that trigger of the positive. And really the thing that, um, totally helps her in those moments is when we make it more of a focus on gratitude, because then, um, we see this mindset, the softer mindset that happens with her, and we are able to then present more positive things. And the trigger isn't as tense, intense there. And we're able to um, help her to kind of see a different world around her. I always say to my kids, your reality is what you choose to focus on. We all have hard things and we all have good things. And our reality will become where our focus is. And I did notice that on, uh, on Cinda's five concepts, we have gratitude, number one, second, growth-minded, which is what you talked about. It's a mindset. Generosity is the third, courage, and then connection. Cinda, talk to us about the growth mindset. I'd love to. Probably one of the most profound books I have read is from Dr. Carol Dweck. And it's actually Mindset is the name of the book. And so we, we got permission from her to have one of our five concepts based on her research. And some of the schools are implementing it and it's fantastic, but I don't know of another program that's really helping parents to implement her research. And so growth mindset, we, we actually phrase it a little differently. We call it growth-minded or frozen-minded. And frozen-minded is this idea that whatever your abilities are, 
whatever you can do, your capabilities, they are frozen. They are like a mammoth in an iceberg and that's where they're going to stay. And her research shows that if you can thaw that, that uh, frozen mindedness and have a growth mindset, the belief that I can learn, I can do things, I can grow in this area, then it actually helps with all sorts of things, including your positive emotions. And I've had my own experience with uh, children when you think, oh, he's never going to change. That's never going to change. It's just always going to be this way versus someone saying, yes, he can change. Um, And to make the child believe that too, that what's happening now is not always going to be the case things will change. Absolutely. And I think that all of us can have moments or areas where we are growth minded and frozen minded. And the key to changing that is really awareness, figuring out, oh, I'm stuck in my frozen minded state, and then turning that into a growth minded. And I'll just mention that Handful of Hope, um, I'm quoting a lot of research. And so it may sound like a boring program. But we've also researched what makes it fun and what helps people learn and remember what they've learned. And so we have superhero characters, we have music, we have poster, we have all sorts of things to help it be fun for families to learn these concepts together. I remember when you were doing one of your first you know, program rollouts and you, you were, we had a room full of foster parents coming to your training and you brought up this, uh, you know, a dolly with all kinds of supplies on it. And all the families went home with these different things to help them implement um, maybe concepts into reality. So I'd love to hear maybe an idea of how to take a concept into reality, kind of like Tammy talked about with the writing down the three things. Um, and then I'd love to hear from Tammy and Sarah about how they've implemented some of these ideas in their homes um, as well. So Cindy, do you want to share maybe a real practical way of something a family can do to? You bet, you bet. Um, so with each of the five concepts, you focus on it for one month and there's a, it's broken into four different sections, something each week that you focus on. And one of the aspects of, um, I'll just say gratitude since we've been talking about that is research has found that you have to notice things that are good and then you have to savor it or enjoy it, emotionally feel connected to it. And then, and then you have to express it. And so for that week on savor it, we um, had parents ha- give their children a piece of candy and tell them to eat it as quickly as they can. And then we asked them to give them a piece of candy, usually chocolate, good chocolate, right? And just to have it melt in their mouth, to really savor it, and then have a discussion. It's simple, but have a discussion about which one did you enjoy more? Which one were you more grateful for? So that's just a quick example of some of the activities that we have to teach the concepts. That's a great one. And then Tammy and Sarah, I'd love to hear any specific activities you use to um, share the concepts with, with your kids. Yeah, maybe you want to go first. You want to go first, Sarah? No, I, I said, do you want to go first again? Sure. Yeah. Um, so we've actually used the chocolate 
one with putting a piece of chocolate in your mouth saying, I want more, I want more, I want more. And then taking the chocolate and this time just being quiet and just letting it melt in your mouth and really taste it. And my children love that because it's, it's candy. Um, and they, they know that gratitude is the, the first, uh, principle in the handful of hope. And, and that's one that they really remembered. Um, they also, um, the growth, I is it the growth minded? You're going to have to remind me, Cinda, the battery where you, you add more and more batteries. That's the actually the see it. That's uh, gratitude as well. That's the first concept of, yeah. Can't remember, but they like that one too. So the idea of the more um, gra grateful you are, the brighter your light will get. So there's a, there's a wire that's connected to a light bulb and you add a battery and you connect the wire to the battery. And then the more batteries you add, the brighter the, the light gets. And and um, that's one of their, the ones that they really enjoyed too. So. Uh, I know for our family, um, with it being November and gratitude is just very natural this month. Um, we have revisited this one over and over again. And it's amazing to me how many times that um, it changes. We see different things. So we, um, one of the um, activities on there is a gratitude door. Um, we did it a little bit different and I drew, um, a tree and it, and it was large. It was almost the whole door. Um, and the the things that the kids were grateful for were going to be the leaves. So throughout the month of January, they wrote things that they were grateful for. And at first it was really easy. They were running, um, to put their things up for the day. And we told the kids that they could not, copy anything that had been on there that I wanted them to find something new. And so at first it was really easy for them, but then they had to kind of go throughout the day and really start noticing things. And I was amazed at the things that they came up with. And I think they were shocked at him too. Like, Oh, this is something that I can choose to be happy about or not happy about. And we started actually seeing, um, as they tried to be more creative with, uh, the things that they are grateful for, we started seeing them actually, um, and this is where, uh, it, it just, it lets you know how far that we can, um, go through this process and how quickly we can, but they started putting things up like, um, certain trials that they were going through and certain challenges that they were going through. You know, I have a daughter that um, suffers from depression and she said that she was grateful for her depression because she, um, could then help relate to other people and know how they feel that, you know, so we started seeing, these um, things come out of the kids that uh, we were amazed for that they could find the goodness in those dark challenges. So that's one that um, we have been doing actually this month. Another one that um, really kind of stuck out to me is uh, you take a piece of paper and you color it with a whole bunch of different bright colors. And then over the top, you put black. And I know my kids actually loved just scribbling the black on it especially those that weren't excited about the activity. And then as they took something and drew pictures in it and saw the bright um, come out, one of the comments that my son said is he said, I don't even notice the black there anymore because I see the picture, you know? And again, that just shows us that um, we, we have all these things here. What, what do we see in our life and what do we choose to um, see as beautiful? You know, that, one person might see something as beautiful and that same thing might um, be a negative to them. And it's just how we choose to see the world. So that's another one that stood out. That was a great activity that my kids really got um, some good information from. 
One of the other concepts um, is courage. And I heard something over the weekend about sometimes the greatest courage is asking for help, having the courage to ask for help. Cinda, can you go into that more? Because I think we're all needing a little help during the pandemic. I agree. And, and I think that um, courage is really hard, especially where we have this long-term courage that is required because the pandemic has been going on for a while. We don't really know when, when um, things will return to normal or what a new normal may look like. And so courage is really about facing what's difficult and, and finding a way through. And um, our courage, so we have five concepts, handful, as Tammy's been referring to, it, your hand is a reminder of the five concepts. And when, when I was doing some research on these concepts, courage actually came up as the courage to, one of the ways that we measure courage is in our ability to envision a goal work towards the goal and then accomplish the goal. And that's actually something that fills us with as much courage as almost anything. So actually see in your own mind, have a vision of what you want to accomplish. And that's, you know, athletes do that all the time, but I would think doing it in relationships is much harder. That's exactly right. And, um, and we try and make it fun. So the, the doing, we call the first part of the courage, we call see the way, which is envisioning. The next is baby step way, which is taking very small steps. And then the third one is stay the way, which is that persistence, sticking with it when it's hard. And so um, we have families do um, a, baby, a baby step activity where they might have a race where everybody is uh, doing tiny baby steps. And it's just that way to reinforce the concept of life by the inch is a cinch, life by the yard is hard. And I would think that that, you know, going, you know, Tammy and Sarah may be able to back this up, but, you know, we see with a lot of our kids who've come from hard places and their beginning has been hard that I, that a lot of them really struggle with this concept of thinking that the future could be better and that they have any power to make that future better. And so I think that idea of courage is, is really profound, especially for our kids who come from hard places. Um, could I just add something in there? Um, my daughter actually um, was asked to talk to a group of kids um, recently. She is um, 15 years old. So that in and of itself um, was something that took courage, but she made a statement and she said, is it really courage if it's something that isn't hard or that we have might have fear? She said, courage isn't um, being able to get it done. It's about pushing through when we have fear. And as these kids do come into care, they, I mean, that's almost their whole being is, is fearful. And so then pointing out that, um, you know, it takes courage to get through these things. Cinda talked about savoring. Um, I think savoring is, goes hand in hand with courage because it takes us um, to sit back for a minute, to think about things, to process through it, to come up with a plan and then um, be able to move forward. And that savoring portion of it is um, such a big deal in courage. 
interesting point. Would you just say a little bit more about that? Like you savoring the accomplishment, savoring? Um, okay, so the activity and um, Tammy uh, talked about their family did it too. Uh, we had our kids um, and honestly, our kids do this with a lot of food. They have um, some really impulsive tendencies and they'll just eat and eat and eat and not even realize that they're full until they throw up. So, um, we do these exercises with them and, you know, have them put the piece of food in their mouth. What texture is it? What flavor is it? Is it salty? Is it sweet? And you just have them really like be in the moment of understanding and using lots of senses other than just what it tastes like to really understand that piece of food. And it's not about the food. It's about like understanding um, how to really process through things. And as, um, they can take that visual, um, of the food and they can remember the steps that they had to go through. They're then able to do that with things outside of even themselves where they, they might not have control of the circumstances. They only have control of how they're going to react to it. And it makes them stop for a minute and savor the situation, see what they need to do, and then push forward with courage. It sounds like a lot of it has to do with slowing the process down. And I know I've had, I've had children that are, you know, overactive. They, they can't slow down. How do you get them to slow down long enough to get the concept? Any advice from anybody? Well, when we, um, when we designed Handful of Hope, the goal was to make it fun for teenage boys. And I figured if teenage boys thought it was fun, then everybody else would too. And um, the program is actually designed so that parents can pick and choose which activities that they think will reinforce the concept best with their children. So there's over 153 concepts in the program it's not that we're saying you have to do all of those, you just have plenty of options. And so for one family, maybe they really like art type of projects. Well, there's some of those built into it. For others, they might like something that's a little bit more hands-on, like a science sort of experiment that helps them as well. So any child that is impulsive, you'll notice that there are times when they're not impulsive and that's usually when they're highly engaged when it's very entertaining and very fun. So that's what we've tried to build into the program to make it not like pulling teeth when you're sitting down to, to do these concepts together, but something that's really fun and actually is going to just infuse those moments with positive emotion while you're learning how to increase positive emotion. Do you let, do you sometimes let the children choose the activities then? Mm -hmm. Some, uh, Tammy, did you want to speak to that? I mean, sometimes parents do, uh, and sometimes parents choose it depending on the age. If it's um, for younger children, probably the parent's going to need to do that and adapt it for the younger age. I've had some parents um, do an adaptation where they found music that their teenager liked that had that concept embedded in the lyrics, and they used that as a way of teaching Wow, I like that idea. I think Cinda talked about the five things and, and I think the last one, if you correct me if I'm wrong, is connection. But I love um, 
that all along the way, you're building connection by you're doing team building activities that build fun memories with, especially for foster um, children that have, you know, just coming into the home and having come from hard places. There's, there's not a lot of positive connection with that new foster mom and new foster dad and new foster siblings. So as you work through these activities, you're building connections. And not only are you, you're learning gratitude and how to be growth minded, but you're, you're building memories that um, build that connection where they can relate a, a positive emotion with a human being, which um, can be difficult when you feel like the, every human being has been um, against you and, and, you know, that caseworkers are not nice to you and therapists are not nice to you and your friends all hate you. You don't have any friends. If I, when, I mean, almost all of my teenagers that have come in have felt that way. Like I have no friends, nobody loves, loves me. Nobody cares about me. I just am awful. I, you know, and, and when we go through these activities that build connection, they start to slowly see that they have value and they have worth and, and they can start kind of reaching outside themselves to, um, to get through some of these hard experiences that they've experienced. And this may be the time bo both of you have children from young children, like preteen and teen up to in their twenties. So what have you seen? How, how have you seen the growth come in those children now that some of them are adults and, um, and out on their own, so to speak? Um, sure. Um, I think that that is the thing that um, is really good about this program with Handful of Hope is um, they have the activities, they have the different things that you work on, but then it also go, goes into, I mean, we know as parents that teaching moments don't just happen during the activity. The teaching moments happen at dinner time. They happen we're in the, when we're in the car. It, they happen when we're pulling weeds in the yard. And those are usually um, the big times that really the kids can think about and process these activities that they have done. And so I know um, there's things that we have done years, um, years ago with the kids that they, even as adults are still going back to. And I even see um, my daughter doing it with her daughter now. And, you know, and they're still talking about it. And so that's the beauty of this is these activities, you, once you get them in place and you do create those memories, like Tammy said, you're able to then continue to build on it. And it teaches you different times that are, that kids are more susceptible to be able to listen to um, these teaching moments and be able to then start to do their own building blocks with others. I mean, I have a son at college right now that has, he calls me and tells me about things and he'll tell me things that we've done that he's now doing with his friends and his friends want to know, how can I get on this and do this? Because this is amazing for you and I wanna try it too. And so it's been fun to see this um, ball that is you know, just collecting a lot of momentum. That's great to hear. Um, we only have about two minutes left. Liz or Cinda, any final thoughts you'd like to leave with people? I just want to make sure that families listening um, know where they can get more information about Handful of Hope. Cinda? Our website is handfulofhope.org. 
And uh, as I said, this has been researched and developed for a number of years. And one of the reasons that it's um, been 10 years in the process is that we worked really hard to get it online so that foster families from Bear River to Blanding can access it when, when it's convenient so those parents have those tools available to them no matter where they are. And just, well, and for the foster parents who are listening who um, need to renew their licenses every year and you need in-service training hours, uh, Division of Child and Family Services has been very supportive of Handful of Hope and has approved um, the program for in-service training hours. We appreciate that as well. Yes, and a reminder that listening, just by listening to this podcast, you will get some in-service in training hours. So we want to thank Cinda Morgan from Handful of Hope. We'd also like to thank our foster parents, Tammy Barroso and Sarah Anderson and Liz Rivera, my colleagues. So I think the one takeaway I've gotten from this is sometimes you need to find a new mindset. Um, if you feel like any of your mindset is frozen, try to thaw it, which is a good thing to remember during, uh, during the holiday and uh, cold season. And um, secondly, notice it, notice those good moments and savor them. I will remember that in the new year. So here is hoping that 2021 will bring us all the resilience we need and want. Thanks again for listening. Have a great new year. So long for now. This has been Fostering Conversations with Utah Foster Care. Thank you for joining us. For more information, go to utahfostercare.org. We'll see you next time.